just so thankful for the Lord. I'm thankful that I got to, that I have been privileged to grow up in his house and to know who he is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This evening I take, um, I'm going to read from three scriptures as my opening scripture and they'll be on the wall. So there's no need to turn to, but if you'd like to, the first scripture is found in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. Should be nice and easy to find. Genesis 2 and 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Isaiah 43 and 7 says, Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him. In Galatians 4 and 19, Paul says, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. And this evening I want to preach and speak to you for a little while on the word formed. Why don't we pray? Lord Jesus, I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you, Lord, for your anointing. And I ask, oh God, that your people would hear your voice this evening. Lord Jesus, that you would speak through me, that I would be a vessel, and that your word would go forth and minister and touch and do its work, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. The word form formed describes a creative process. So it's not surprising that it's first mentioned in the book of Genesis as part of the creation narrative. However, before something can be formed or made into a specific shape, there needs to be something to work with. For example, before a potter can make a piece of pottery on his wheel, he needs a block of clay to work with. The book of Genesis begins with an emphatic statement. Genesis 1 and 1 tells us, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God was in the beginning. And he is the origin of all that is. All that we see and don't see. He created it all. The definition of the word create as stated in the Oxford Dictionary is to bring something into existence or to cause something to happen as a result of one's actions. When looking at the Hebrew word used in this passage for the word create, it deepens the meaning for us by adding the word new. When God creates, he creates something new. He gives being or existence to something that has never existed before. In the beginning, God created something new something that did not exist before. He caused the existence of heaven and earth and everything that they consist of. Colossians 1, 16 to 17 tells us, For by him were all things created 
that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. God is a spirit, and he moved upon the dark, formless vastness of watery nothingness and caused things to appear. When God spoke, let there be, he created something new and brought something into existence from nothing. For example, on the first day, God spoke the words, let there be light into the dark, formless vastness of nothing and light appeared. God speaks new things into, as, as God speaks new things into existence, he now has things there that weren't there before. He can put those things together and cause something different to exist. In these instances, we find that the word made is used. In Genesis 1 and 7, and God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And then in Genesis 1.16, and God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. The Hebrew word translated into made is asar, and it's defined to work on or make out of already existing materials. This coincides with the English meaning of the word made, to use materials at hand, put them together and cause something different to exist. And so in Genesis 1 and 7 and and 1 and 16, we see that God worked on existing materials to create something completely new and different. By separating what seems to be existing waters and vapours, he made the sky. And by taking elements that he had created prior to the fourth day, God put together hydrogen and helium and made a sun. And he put together the right amount of oxygen and silicon and magnesium and iron and calcium and aluminium and a small amount of titanium and uranium and thorium and potassium and hydrogen, and he made the moon. That's as science as I get tonight. God created the stars. He spoke them into existence. Let there be lights in the firmament. But he made the two greater lights, and he set them in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth. When it came to animal life, God commanded the waters to bring forth life. God used the water to bring forth marine animals and birds. And through this process, these animals are being created as hundreds of different species that never existed before they were brought into existence. And the process for the the land animals is a little different. God speaks to the earth to bring them forth and he uses the earth to make these creatures. But in Genesis 2 and 19, we see that God forms them. He gives them specific shapes. This is perhaps due to the material that he used to bring them into being. Which brings us to the word formed. And on a basic level, to be formed is to be made into a specific shape or form. There are several different Hebrew words that are translated into the English word formed. And they all have within their meaning a description of what takes place during the process 
of being made into a specific shape. They make the, the definitions make reference to clay in the potter's hands. And the ideas are of pressure being applied with words like pressed, pinched, twisted and squeezed into a mould. In Genesis 1.26, God declares his intention and design for his next creation, man. And God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let him have dominion, dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and over the cattle, over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And in verse 27, he says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. With the material he had already created, God intended to put something together and cause something new and magnificent to exist. This creature would not be physically linked with materials from which it was made as the fish were with the sea and the animals with the earth. Man would be directly linked to God as God's image creature. He who was uncreated would be reflected and represented in man. Man would bear his image, male and female. They would resemble God in their mannerisms and characteristics. And as the image of God in the earth, they would be suitable companionship for God and he would give them dominion and authority in the earth. And so with his intention laid out, God set to work. Genesis 2 and 7 And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Man did not just appear as the other created things did when God declared, let there be. Neither was anything commanded to bring them forth. God formed them. In order to be formed, the material, the material being used must be malleable. It is either naturally malleable like clay or treated with heat to make it so like iron. It took of the, he took of the dust of the ground and specifically fashioned the frame and framed this creature. Deliberately and intricately applying pressure and pinching, and squeezing that which was malleable into a desired image that would be his representative in the earth. Satisfied with his design, God breathed life into his nostril, nostrils, filling this vessel with his breath, and man became a living soul. In the beginning, God formed man. He gave him a visible shape, and he designed him in this image, in his image and likeness and made him a living soul. However, with the introduction of sin and death, the characteristics and mannerisms that God placed in sinless humanity became corrupted and no longer resembled God. Man spiritually died and no longer had the same access to God as they had in the beginning. God's holiness forced him to withdraw from sinful man. Man would no longer enjoy the same level of intimacy with which he was created to have with God. Nevertheless, God's desire to see himself reflected in his image 
creature meant that he continually reached for individuals. Throughout the Bible, God made himself known to man and came as close as his holiness would allow him to and he would reveal himself to those that would humble themselves in repentance, obey God's voice and acknowledge him as their God. From Abraham, he raised up a people and he formed them into a nation. He called men to lead them, men that would stand in the gap that sin had produced to be his voice to his people, to teach them his ways, that they may be, that they may imitate the righteousness and holiness of their God upon the earth. Israel was chosen to be God's representatives on earth. He desired to make himself known to them with miracles, signs and wonders delivering them from slavery and giving them his laws, laws for governance and laws for worshipping. His laws defined sin for them that they would not be ignorant and made a way for them to cleanse themselves from unrighteousness. He showed them how to love him and how to love others. He gave them land that they could call home and he set his name on that place. He would, they would be God's peculiar people. They would be blessed as no other nation on earth was blessed as long as they walked in obedience. They were formed to show forth his praises in the earth. Formed to be a nation unlike the nations around them. They had no image or idol of their God. They worshipped the one and the only almighty, uncreated invisible God. They were to be his image, his reflection of his glory on the earth. Time and time again, Israel rebelled. And yet when they humbled themselves and turned to God and repented, he would deliver them from the hand of their oppressors. Even the heathen would tremble when they heard of the the works of Israel's invisible God. They were a stubborn people. When the material of the one, when the material one is trying to form is no longer malleable, it undergoes specific treatment in hope of salvaging the project. Clay is smashed, turned to powder, and then water is added to reconstitute it into clay that can be formed. Even in Israel's backslidden state, God would not give up on them. In, in Isaiah 43, Israel had been smashed. Their country left in ruins and the people taken into captivity by the Babylonian armies and scattered throughout the unknown world. Even in their unfaithfulness, God sees them and promises them deliverance. He would bring them to their nation, to the place where God had set his name, He would call them all, sons and daughters, from the east and the west. He would bring them back from the north and the south. And even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. They were the work of his hands. He formed them. He had great purpose and plans for them. Yes, as a people, they continually failed. But Israel was created for God's glory. 
and where the first Adam failed and continued to fail. When the second Adam came, he would succeed. God's glory would be manifested through the nation of Israel in Jesus Christ, the, the only true image of the invisible as he walked amongst the children of Israel. God, the invisible God, became flesh and we beheld his glory. Everything up to his appearance pointed to him and his life on earth would change the course of humanity's history. Jesus came to deal with the sin issue, to remove the separation between God and man. His purpose was to pay the price so that the relationship that man was created to have with God would be reinstated. Jesus came to reestablish man's purpose to be God's image creature. With his love, with his life, he showed us God's mercy and, and, and love for humanity. His compassion to, his compassion towards humanity for the effects of sin upon upon their lives propelled him to the cross. His death would satisfy the requirements of the, of the sin offering. His blood was shed and his life was given in place of ours. He paid the debt that he did not owe. He paid the debt that we owed. We do not have to die. Because he died in our place. When we repent, we acknowledge that we are sinners and that we need to change. In our acknowledgement of us, our, by our sin, we recognize that we have fallen short of the glory of God. We have failed to be the image creature we were, we were purposed to be. And we need him to cleanse us and to change us. As he was buried, we are to be buried in his name, we go down into a watery grave calling on the name of Jesus for the remission of our sin. For there is only one name, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Titles have no power, they just describe who he is. His name has all power and is the only name that when called upon in baptism applies his blood and removes the stain of sin. When he rose again, he made his power available to us. His spirit gives us the power to overcome sin in our daily lives. To receive his power, you must receive his spirit. And when you receive his spirit, you will speak in a language that you've never spoken before as he gives you the utterance. The tongue is the hardest member of the human body to control. And when we yield completely to him, he will use our tongue as evidence that he has filled us with his spirit. Through, the, through repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, God establishes a new people. We come into his kingdom. We are declared new creatures, old things. The old life has been buried. The stubborn heart is dead. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, he has given us a new heart, one that is malleable 
and conformable. The death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ opened a door for the whosoever will. For those who are willing to be malleable material, to be formed to reflect his glory in the earth and ultimately be his people for eternity. We must allow him to form us. A new creature is a, is a, to become a new creature is a formation process. That means that life is going to be uncomfortable as we undergo the pressure, the pinching, the squeezing, as he works to transform us into his image creature. The old nature will rise up and disrupt what God is trying to do. It will fight against the, the conviction of the Holy Ghost. It will explain away the checking and it will justify our actions. There will always be an excuse for actions and responses. This is how we know who is in control. To remain malleable, we must be continually submitted to the Spirit of God. Allow His Spirit to work in us and on us. And by obeying the Word, we allow, and we allow it to change our thinking and to form our mindsets. Taking the principles and the statutes of God and applying them to our lives transforms us. Admitting our mistakes and bringing them into God exposes our sin and kills it before it grows. When we do this, we're making us material that God can work with. The Apostle Paul began the church in Galatia. He writes to them because he hears that they are struggling to maintain the gospel that he delivered unto them. Certain Jews that opposed Paul had come into the church to discredit Paul's ministry and impose Jewish thinking and requirements such as circumcision on, on the church and make it necessary for salvation. Paul is amazed that they're so quickly deceived into thinking that he had not given them everything they needed for salvation and a new life in Christ. Paul is grieved when he writes, in Galatians 4.19, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Their deception, their deception was possible because the formation process had been stalled. It was evident that it needed to be done again. Something else was influencing and forming them into something other than Christ. Paul's letter is an urgent response for the church of Galatia to see their error and expose the false teaching that would jeopardize their salvation. God's desire is reflected in Paul's desire to see Christ formed in us. It was the desire from the beginning that man would be God's creature image, image creature, formed in his image and in his likeness. Yes, God formed a body with intricate systems and workings. And yes, the human body glorifies God in its complexities. But that is not what God desired to be reflected in. God desires for the inward man, the part of us that is eternal, to be formed into his image, the image of the man Christ Jesus. Perfect and sinless, Jesus showed us what God desires to see in us. And he gave us the power to become the sons of God. 
the opportunity has been made available to all. And we, and when we have applied the water and the spirit to our lives, the formation process begins. Malleable clay is soft and squishy and it requires water to keep it continually workable. We must be like the clay, willing to humble ourselves and undergo the discomfort of being formed, submitting to the hand of the potter to become his creation, his design, to bring him glory, to be called by his name, that he can declare that we have been made by him. Formed. Is Christ being formed in us? Romans 6.16 Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. We choose whether we will be yielded malleable material in the hands of our Creator. Whom we choose to obey speaks of the influence that we are under. We are in church on a Sunday, but what are our influences during the week? What do we listen to? What do we read? What are we watching? What are we submitting our minds to? What are we being formed by? Are we being renewed? Are we being transformed? Do the things that we do during the week enable Christ to be formed in us? As Christ is formed in us, our behaviours and attitudes change. His mannerisms will be evident in us. Being formed in the image of Christ takes time. does not happen in one night. In one altar call, however, that's a good place to start. It takes consistent obedience to the word of God, consistency and discipline in prayer, and allowing the spirit of God access to our pain, our weaknesses, and our shortcomings. Allowing the potter to smooth, pinch, squeeze at those things to smooth them out. It is a daily exercise in yielding to righteousness and denying our flesh of its carnal tendencies. When Christ is formed in us, his likeness will become evident in our lives. Our relationships will be better because there will be an extension of God's love through us for our friends and our families. Those who are closest to us will benefit the most from the fruit we produce Produced because Christ is formed in us. We will become more productive as employees as we will treat our employment as an opportunity to bring glory to God through our work ethic. Our response when things don't go our way will indicate how much of Christ is formed in us. Disappointment is a part of life and we are not exempt from those feelings when we come to God. However, when Christ is formed in us, We are anchored to his promises, which steady us and keep us on an even keel. Our trust is in God. Our forgiveness hinges on the ability to forgive. When Christ is formed in us, 
We are able to forgive those that wronged us as Christ forgave those that nailed him to the cross at Calvary. And as Stephen forgave those that refused to hear what he had to say and stoned him. When Christ is formed in us, we will change the way we speak about others. Enhanced by Christ's compassion and mercy, our words will seek to encourage and exhort. When Christ is formed in us, it doesn't matter if nobody is watching, we will still do what is right. Formed. God has not changed his desire for an image creature that still remains. He has gone to great lengths to restore the relationship that the first Adam lost when he sinned. Jesus Christ showed us the likeness of God. He showed us what will be formed in us when we submit ourselves to the word and spirit of God. He opened the door that we may be saved, that we may become the people called by his name. Repentance, baptism in Jesus' name and be filled with the spirit of God are the keys to the kingdom. Kingdom living requires a relationship with the king. It requires a process of being formed, that the image and likeness of God would be seen in us that Jesus would recognize us as his children and call us by his name. If I could have a musician, please. Why don't we stand this evening? We are to become a new creature, a creature that is put on the persona of Christ and is allowing a work of transformation to take place that we would bring God glory, formed, He has invited us this evening to step up onto the potter's wheel. He has found you. He has cleansed you. And if you haven't been baptised in Jesus' name this evening, he wants to cleanse you. He wants to fill you with his spirit. He desires to continually fill us with his spirit. And as the potter and the clay depend on the water continually being applied to obtain the desired shape of the intended vessel, the spirit is essential to keep us malleable and in the formation process. When we allow his when we allow his spirit access to our heart, it makes us workable. Repentance will ensure that we are free from any sin that would hinder the process of Christ being formed in us. The process is not comfortable. But the end product is the likeness and image of God. And when he shall appear, we shall be like him and we shall see him as he is. 
This evening I want to invite you to be formed, to begin the journey of being what God wants you to be, to take advantage of what he paid the price for. And if you've taken advantage of him, he wants to continue to work. The work is not finished. We will be continually worked on until he comes. There will always be something that we need to give over to him that he can smooth out, that he can twist into the right shape. I want to invite you this evening. Jesus is coming soon. The time is short. And he desires to be formed in you and I. Why don't you come this evening?